Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. I want to welcome you back to the program again today and thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us or uh, if you're watching it on demand, I think that's a great way to do it because uh, then you don't have to set your timer or anything to do that. Uh, but if, if you have not uh, set your DVR, you probably ought to do that because we are teaching a series and we constantly are unfolding things and you almost have to follow us pretty regularly to really get a feel of what we're saying because we may be saying some things that will stretch you a little bit. I want to just say also very quickly that if you've missed any of these programs, we are now doing a series. Uh, this series that we're doing right now, we're dealing with John 1. And what we're doing is showing how that the contrast between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant was so powerfully spoken by John. And we've been talking about some really deep and profound stuff. If you missed any of it, there's good news. You can go back and watch it on demand on our YouTube channel. That's probably the easiest way to do this because you can watch If you have internet or a smartphone or smart device, you would be smart to watch it. And so the easiest way to do that is to go to lynnhiles.com and if you go to my website there is a direct link to our YouTube channel so that you don't even have to search for my YouTube channel on YouTube. Once you get there you can subscribe to the channel and we will send you, or it will send you a notification when we update every week the new, uh, the newest program that we have aired there, and it will send you a notification when we do that. So you can watch it on demand. You can watch it in your midweek service. You can share it with your friends. You can share it in small groups, home groups. I really encourage you to do that. We have a lot of churches that are using our material now in their home groups or small groups or whatever because it gives you something to start with. It's about 30 minutes long and then you can have conversation about it. I'm not asking you to believe everything that I believe. I just want to stir your thinking to provoke you to thought. Uh, also, if you say, well, I don't, I don't watch, I don't have time to sit down and watch YouTube, here's good news again. You can listen to the audio portions of these teachings on our iTunes account uh, or our podcast. And again, that as well as an RSS feed for your Android device where it can be downloaded to your smartphone is available. Also, very easy way to do it again is go to my website at lenhouse.com. In the upper right-hand corner, there is an Android icon, there is an iTunes podcast um, icon, and there's a YouTube one there. So you could go there and watch them at your leisure or listen to them. So we're trying to get the gospel out. And we really encourage you to share them with your friends and tell people about it because I believe that it's really catching on and we really thank you for, uh, for doing that and helping us. When it comes on our Facebook page, go like my public profile, Inhouse Ministries. And when we share one of these videos, please share them with your friends because they help us get the gospel as it is going around the world. We have aired over 500 programs to date been on for nine years, and God has graciously helped us through partners like you. Now let me get into the Word, because I don't want you to turn the channel, because I just started giving you some information about how to follow us. But I'm, we're in John 1. I'd really like to be able to maybe conclude John 1 here, so we can start in John 2 the next time we are on set. But John 1, we've been contrasting how John 1 and Genesis 1 are almost uh, verbatim in some ways. Because what John does in his gospel is he goes way back before 
the Abrahamic covenant, way back before the Mosaic covenant, and starts to show you that God had purposed not just to bring in Jews, but that He would be that all men, verse 7 says, the same came for a witness to bear witness of the light, that all men, not just Jews, but Jews and Gentiles, that all men through Him might believe, and that, you know, he writes in John's latter last chapter that the purpose of this book of John is he says, these things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that believing you might have life through His name. And what we did last week is we put such a powerful emphasis on the life that is the light. Not just a ticket to heaven, but a life that will permeate and become a light to the world right here in this present world. Now let me just come down through this a little bit. We'll try to pick up the end parts of this. It said, verse 7, the same came for a witness to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of the light. That was the true light which lightens every man that comes into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him and the world knew Him not. He came to His own, and His own received Him not. In other words, He came first of all to the elect Jews, and they did not receive them. But as many as received Him to them, He gave the power to become sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. It is important that you believe. It's not about works, it's about believing, but having faith in being, you know, believing on His name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So he's talking about being born not of blood and, and not of flesh. In other words, it's not an ethnic thing alone to simply the Jews, but something that was uh, something that would be for all men. And the Word was made flesh. The very thought, the very intention, the very substance of God was made flesh. God became visible in the person of the Son. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of not rules and regulations, full of grace and truth. So you can preach grace and not preach truth. Sometimes you can preach what you think is truth and try to leave out the grace, but both of them together, they will produce some real fruit. John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This is, was he of whom I spake. He that comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness, and of his fullness have all we received, and grace for grace. Grace piled up on top of grace. For the law, here's the contrast, and this is what, something I really want to emphasize in this program. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. So he's showing you the division between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. And that the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but I'd rather live under grace than I would to live under law. I'm glad that I'm not under Moses, because even under the law of Moses, not even the mediator of that covenant made it in by the works of the law. Moses did not make it into the promised land by the works of the law. God was trying to show us that it had to be by the hearing of faith. And no man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, hath declared Him. And this is the record of John, when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask Him, Who are you? And He confessed and denied not, and confessed, I'm not the Christ. This is John speaking. 
And they asked him, what then, art thou Elias? He said, if I'm not, art thou the prophet? He answered, no. They said unto him, O art thou, that we may give an answer to them that sent us? And what sayest thou of thyself? And he said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as said the prophet Isaiah. And they which were sent were of the Pharisees, and they asked him and said unto him, Why baptizest thou then, if thou be not that Christ, nor liest neither that prophet? John answered them, saying, I baptize with water, but there stands one among you whom you know not. He it is whose coming after me is preferred before me, whose shoe latchet I am not worthy to unloose. Now let me come back here a minute and grab this thought about John saying, when they said, Who are you? Now, now, now later on Jesus would say to them, that John the Baptist is Elijah which was to come. That's a whole nother teaching in itself that I'm not going to get into in this particular one. But John admitted, he said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. And uh, let, me, let me tell you where he's quoting that from. He's quoting that from Malachi. And I'm going to go back here and see if I can pull that up out of Malachi. He said, uh, He, he, he begins to talk in, in uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Malachi chapter 3 is where he, he begins first of all to talk about this. He says, Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant whom you delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts, and who may abide the day of His coming, and who shall stand when He appears? For He is like a refiner's fire, and like fuller's soap, and He shall set as a refiner and purifier of silver. He shall purify the sons of Levi, and purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. Then shall the offering of Judah and Jerusalem be pleasant unto the Lord as in the days of old, and as in the former years. And I will come near to you in judgment, and I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers, and against the adulterers, and against false swearers, and against those that oppress the hireling in his wages, the widow and the fatherless, and that turn aside the stranger from his right, and fear not me, saith the Lord. For I am the Lord, I change not, therefore you sons of Jacob are, con are not consumed." Now I want to go over, if I can, to chapter 4, because he goes on to say, For behold, the day comes that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble, and, and, and the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root or branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and he shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And you shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you, Elijah the prophet, before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to the fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Now let me just come here and show you some things. First of all, he said, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet. It is in Matthew 11 that Jesus says concerning John the Baptist, He said, Of those that are born of women, there's none greater than John the Baptist. But I say to you that he that's least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. And he goes on to say that, now let me, let me just make a powerful statement here, and there's so much to unpack. 
But when he says, he said, those that are least in the kingdom are greater than John the Baptist. Do you realize how powerful that is? He's saying this, if you are a born again believer in the kingdom of God, you are greater than John the Baptist, you're greater than Isaiah, you're greater than Elijah, they're greater than all of these that have ever gone before you. The least in the kingdom is greater than these men. Why is that? Because these men did not have the indwelling Holy Spirit that was able to help you to walk in the Spirit and to be able to be governed by Holy Spirit. Now let me, uh, let me, just, let me just say this to you as well. Uh, when he begins to say that, he goes on to say, then they ask him this question, but the, but, but the prophets say that Elijah must first come. And he turns around and says to them, John the Baptist is Elijah, if you can hear it. So John the Baptist was the voice that he's talking about here, that Elijah must first come in Malachi 4. In other words, this is the setup that Elijah must first come before the great and terrible day of the Lord. He will turn the heart of the fathers to the children, the heart of the children to the fathers, lest I come and smite the earth. He talks about he's going to send his messenger before his face, prepare the way of the Lord, and, and he'll come suddenly to his temple, which he did. Jesus came suddenly to his temple, and when he did, he began to cleanse the temple. And he began to run out the money changers, and he began to, uh, I mean, the, the day of a refiner's fire was coming upon them, and he came uh, to, uh, you know, to purge the sons of Levi that they would offer an offering that would be acceptable. Jesus was the offering that was acceptable. And I like this because I heard a, a, one, a, a, one of my ministry sons say during my conference this year concerning uh, where he said, I will come and smite with the earth with the curse. He said, you know what, we look at this sometimes, and I know there's different ways to look at it, but watch this. He came to turn the heart of the Father to the Son and the heart of the Son to the Father. And how I many know that God did that in the person and work of Jesus Christ? The heart of the Father was turned to the Son, the heart of the Son was turned to the Father. And then Jesus also took the curse that was coming on the earth and took it to Calvary's cross to redeem every one of us that would believe that He was that redemption to redeem us from the curse that would come upon the earth. Now I will say this to you, there was a lot of these Jews in the first century that did not believe that what John was preaching was true, and so they did not receive him, and when he received him to them he gave power to become the sons of God. And that judgment came upon those apostate Jews, and a fire that literally burns, burned like an oven, the temple was destroyed, and judgment began at the house of God. That's not some future event that God is going to do. The judgment already began at the house of God in the first century and the destruction of the temple when God came and smite the earth with the curse. But I think one of the things that, that made John, and I probably need to take a whole program to kind of uh, get an idea, you know, or give you an idea on the program of what John's crisis of faith was, because when John was locked up in prison, he said, are you the one or should we look for another? And he was locked up in prison, having been the very one that declared, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But because most of the disciples of John 
begin to follow Jesus from that point when John said, there's the Lamb of God, there's the Messiah, they begin to follow Him. John could not lay down that old covenant ministry and ended up going to Herod and said, it's not lawful for you to have her. And that law brought him to the place where he was about to be beheaded and he's in prison thinking, probably, I thought the one I declared that was coming was going to first come and smite the earth with the curse and bring a refiner's fire and fuller soap because I preached this in Matthew 3 that, you know, that his fan is in his hand and he's going to thoroughly purge his floor. Now I'm not saying he didn't thoroughly purge his floor, but I'm saying he came first of all. John had a crisis of faith because he had a certain view of what he thought Jesus would be like. Many of us have a crisis of faith today because we have a misconception of what we think Jesus is going to be like. Because when Jesus stood up in the temple, his first message was not about judgment. It was not about fire. It was not about destruction. It was about, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to set at liberty them that are bruised, and to declare and decree the acceptable year of the Lord, which is the year of the favor of our God. And he closed the book and said, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. And Jesus declared favor at the beginning of his ministry. And I think what John had done was he got to the place where uh, he realized that the favor of God uh, was, was, was on, uh, he came, he was on them first and not the judgment of God. I need to tell my team that the clock's not working just right for me, if you could fix that for me. But uh, he, was, he was declaring the acceptable year of the Lord, and he was declaring the year of the favor of God. Now, judgment would come later. So when John is in the middle of this crisis of faith, he's in prison wondering, did I put my life on the line for nothing? Is this really the Christ? Listen, let me tell you something preacher, minister, saint of God, every one of us goes through a crisis of faith somewhere in our lives where God doesn't seem to fit the criteria of what we thought He would be like. I believe many have come to that crisis of faith today because they've declared, hey, God is mad. God's going to destroy. He's this, this, this raging uh, temper, tantrum throwing God that's ready to destroy everything. But when God shows up and does good things, we don't know quite how to handle that. I'm not saying God didn't come and do exactly what He said He would do in A.D. 70 when He destroyed the temple, when everything was burnt with a fire, the day came to burn like an oven, judgment came to the house of God. I'm not saying He didn't do that, but I'm saying before He ever did that, He gave them ample opportunity because when He went back and said, here's the answer I want you to give to John. He didn't just say, go back and give John this blunt answer to him. Yeah, I'm the dude. I'm the guy. I'm the one you prophesied about. He said, listen, you go back and tell John, the blind see, the deaf hear, the poor have the gospel preached to them. And I think what Jesus was doing was saying, listen, go remind John there's some other prophetic scriptures that talked about what I would do besides just sending judgment. And I think when they went back and told John, he started seeing a view of Jesus that was more than he came with a fan in his hand to thoroughly purchase for. He came to destroy because the destruction came upon a religious system and upon apostate Israel. It was the end of the old covenant 
that God had made with Israel, he was keeping his old covenant bargain. But long before he ever brought that, he gave them ample opportunity to receive and become sons of God, and to as many as received Him. To them He gave the power to become sons of God, because He had turned the heart of the Father to the Son, and the heart of the Son to the Father, and He laid the curse on Him, that if you would receive it, you've been redeemed from the curse of the law. But to those who rejected Him, it was like it was in Egypt. If you don't put blood on the doorpost of your house, then all of these plagues are going to come. And I really believe that's what the book of Revelation is about, is not future apocalyptic events, but the events that occurred around A.D. 70, at least to the most part, as he fulfilled his end of the covenant bargain and smote the earth with the curse. But long before he ever does that, he starts introducing this new covenant that would bring them into the life of the coming age. And he did come to fulfill all of those things that was written concerning him, that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. I'm getting bogged down and not getting very far, but John said, I'm not that one, but I am the voice of the one crying in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. And they asked him then, who are you? And John said, uh, and John answered them, I baptize with water, but there stands one among you whom you know not. He it is who coming after me is preferred before me. A shoe latch it, I am not worthy to unloose. These things were done at Bethbara, beyond Jordan, where John was baptizing. And the next day John said, Jesus coming unto him, and said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me cometh a man which is preferred before me. For he was before me, and I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore am I come baptizing with water. And John bare record saying, I am the, uh, John bare record saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him. That happened in the river Jordan. And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizes with the Holy Ghost. And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. And again the next day after John stood and two of his disciples, after John, again the next day after John stood and two of his disciples, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Good thing. <laughs> I wish people start following Jesus more and stop following Moses. Because a lot of you still want to follow Moses, and that's why you're disappointed in having crises of faith, is you're still waiting on this God to kill everybody you don't like. But when you see Him do good, it's hard for you to fathom that God is really a good God. And that His purposes are always, even in His judgments, are always under redemption. So that it would be a good thing to follow Jesus. Then, saith, then Jesus turned and saw him falling, and saith unto him, What seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is being interpreted to say, Master, where dwellest thou? And he saith unto them, Come and see. I think that's a real invitation from the Spirit today as you listen to this progress. Come see where I'm dwelling. Come see where I'm staying. Because it's in Him that we will live and move and have our being. And they came and saw where He dwelt and abode with Him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. And one of the two which heard John speak followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother Simon, and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah which is being interpreted the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus, and when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah, thou shalt be called Cephas, which being interpreted is a stone. The day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee, and findeth Philip, and saith unto him, Follow me. Now Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. 
Philip findeth Nathanael and saith unto him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And then Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? And Philip saith unto him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him, and saith to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. Nathanael saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? And Jesus answered said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Nathanael answered and saith unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, Believest thou? Thou shalt see greater things than these. And he saith unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter shall you see the heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Now, as we come to the close of this program, I want to emphasize this. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter shall you see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. I think this connects us clear back to the book of Genesis where Jacob wrestled with the angel. And he wrestled near a stone, and when he was at that place, he wrestled with God, and God began to change him from Jacob to Israel. He changed his name, and he changed his nature. And Jacob made this statement. He said, Surely the presence of the Lord was in this place, and I knew it not. I think sometimes the presence of God is in a place and we don't really realize what's really happening. Sometimes the presence of God might be in the middle of our chaos where God is hovering and moving over us. But here's what I want you to see. Jacob says, this is none other than the house of God. This is Bethel. And the angels of God ascended and descended at Bethel, and he called it the gate of heaven. I want to submit to you that what Jesus is saying at the end of this is, Verily I say unto you, hereafter you will see the heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. What He's saying is, Jesus Himself is Bethel. He is the new house of God, and He is where the angels of God ascend and descend, where there is an open heaven and a direct line to God. And when he said that, what he simply said to them is, this is the gate of heaven. Jesus is the gate of heaven. Adam was a gate that ultimately became a gate of hell that released death and hell on the human family. But Jesus came to be the gate of heaven to release life and that more abundantly on the human family. You're either a gate of hell or you're a gate of heaven. And if you get in the gate of heaven, you get in the new temple of God. And I'll talk about a lot of this as we go on. But even when the Samaritan woman comes to Jesus, he says, you say we need to worship here. And our people say we need to worship here. But I came to tell you it's not about where you worship in your literal physical buildings because the hour is coming and now is when true worshipers will worship Him in spirit and in truth, because what He's going to do is move this temple out of the Middle East and put it right smack dab in the middle of you, and He's going to have the angels of God ascend and descend upon us through the work of His Son who lives inside of us, and that believing we might have life through His name. I hope you've enjoyed this introduction to John 1.1. We're about to run out of time. If you would like to help us and stay on the air and preach this kind of a message, let me just simply ask you to go to this website and uh, give via credit card or PayPal. 
you can set up, if you'd like, to a monthly debit or whatever you'd like to do if you want to become a regular partner, or you can give a one-time gift. If you'd like to call the number that's on the screen, you can give via credit card uh, through uh, calling the office. Also, you can write a check or money order and send it to the address that will come up on the screen, and your generous gift helps us to take the gospel around the world. Thank you for joining us. God bless you. I'm very excited to announce the release of my newest book. It is titled, From Law to Grace, A Kingdom Paradigm Shift. In this book, we talk about how the gospel is not about a law you have to keep. It is about receiving a life that will keep you. It is not about living this life out of fear. It is about living a life of faith. It is not about rules. It's about a relationship with a loving Father. It is about moving from the old covenant government of condemnation to the new covenant government of affirmation. It is about living life as a citizen of the kingdom right now.